In this week's Planet Korea, we return to our occasional series on urbanism with Colin Marshall. Colin is the local blogger for the Los Angeles Review of Books and is just an all-around prolific voice online in terms of urban life here in Seoul, in his native Los Angeles, and in cities all around the world. Earth Day is coming around soon, and we thought we would put a little ecological twist on our usual wandering around the city, taking a moment to smell the flowers and look at the trees along a trail that reuses some of Seoul's urban space along a rail line that's no longer in use. It's the Gyeonggi-san Supgil, or Gyeonggi Line Forest Park, a daily meditative walk stretching between the Hyochang Park area and Yeonnam-dong. Colin and I checked it out. Have a listen. Colin, we're standing in front of a blue, perhaps never to be used again, co-rail car, uh, a National Railroad of Korea car, which has been redone as some sort of, uh, what do they call it? Sarangbang. A sarangbang. And you've heard of a sarangbang? These rooms in the old Joseon uh, Chide, the houses of the Yangban, where they would write their poetry, smoke their pipes, engage in cultural pursuits. Well, this train, which may never move again, but its tracks are still here embedded in the ground. It's, it's the place where you get a little bit of a cultural experience to begin your walk down the Gyeonggison Tsupgil, or Gyeonggi Line Forest Park, which stretches across a pretty, a pretty wide swath of Seoul. I wrote down the exact numbers. Uh, I believe it is about four miles long, 6.3 kilometers. But actually, the old Gyeonggi Line, built by the Japanese in, I believe, 1905, uh, was one of the longest lines in Asia, one of the most popular. You could go all the way to Manchuria from wow. Seoul in 1910. It, of course, didn't last beyond uh, the Second World War. It went out of commission with the Japanese here in Korea. But it is its infrastructure, the remnants of its infrastructure, the path that it took, is what has been used to build this park in Seoul. Different remnants of the rail line, of the Gongi line, have been differently repurposed as you walk these about four miles. About four miles. We're not going to be like Olympic speed walkers or anything like that, but uh, at a normal sort of healthy person's clip, that's a walk of about what, 90 minutes? 90 or two hours if you take it suitably scenically, yes. Okay, all collapsed conveniently into radio time for our listeners. Shall we head out? We shall. Okay, Colin, we've walked for just a little bit, and we've uh, taken a moment, momentary breather here at Hyochang Park Station, Exit 5, Hyochang Park being on Line 6 and on the Kyungi Jungang Line. It's kind of a nice... I guess this is where people would come if they want to get right off the train and start the route, start right, walking. Right, exactly. This is the station that's closest to the southern end mm-hmm. of, the, uh, of the park. And it's, it's funny because you get these two elements of modern Seoul right next to each other. A station on the mighty Seoul metro, yes. and then what do we see here? More apartment complexes, more apartment high-rises, tower blocks being built, even as we speak in the Seoul style, which is, you know... Cranes and concrete. Cranes and concrete, yeah. It's yeah. A, uh, that's one way of putting it, and of course we see plenty more in the background there. We've seen various different known brands of apartments going up on either side. And just to our left, actually, we see little Jutex, old-fashioned style, and sort of these three-story kind of townhouse type of deals from an earlier era. One generation of housing on the left, Mm. another on the right. But on the park itself, you're not going to be seeing either types of housing being built because of the old uh, 
because of the old Gyeonggi line, and this is of course a station Hyochung Park as well on the new Gyeonggi Jugan line, its replacement, but because the old line ran through here, we have a path or a channel that cuts through the apartment development. So there might be high rises next to it, but there's not going to be any high rises on it. This is a little artery of oasis through the concrete jungle where you can clear your mind for, as you said, 90 minutes to two hours if you're walking along. Because of that old rail line that was decommissioned for so long, now it's serving a purpose again, but a very different kind of purpose. All right, let's keep walking. Colin, we've seen uh, various sort of horticultural phases uh, as we've been walking along here. We were just, I I had this almost Louisiana Bayou feeling uh, just about five minutes ago with the dangling trees and uh, the lazy sort of shrubberies and things. Now we seem to be walking through almost uh, Santa's Christmas tree village with these uh, distinct cone-shaped evergreen pine trees. Yes, it reminds me a little bit of the Christmas tree lots of my childhood. Just a little bit, but right, the types of nature are various and usually they have explanatory plaques as well telling you what exactly kind of tree or shrub yeah. or flower it's kind of at. like that solo 7017 yes. let me teach you about the plants and flowers listeners will remember mm-hmm. wow colin um i guess i sort of half expected a continuous sort of line going from one end to another but we had to do some pretty you know nimble traffic dodging there to cross uh, the intersection where that that I suppose began with that mall uh, now we're sort of back on the trail and we're in this very interesting sort of ramshackle it almost looks like a colorful refugee camp right we had to do some negotiation of the mall of the subway station now we've come out in this place that couldn't have a more different vibe than that mall could it uh-huh. yeah as you say it looks like a makeshift encampment maybe something you'd see in antarctica different kinds of structures all put together any which way they could there this has an interesting story this patch of the park because there were development plans for it to make it like the rest of the park is but there was an advo- advocacy group or an activist group called uh, public space for citizens who wanted this to be public space for citizens okay not just to walk in or to play in but to use however they want so there's different events that go on here as you you can see these tents and these these sign postings, these banners. They indicate that a lot of different stuff goes on in here. It's quiet right now, but there's a Saturday market that regularly goes on, different sorts of celebrations, parties. In this patch of land, which is, as you can see, between office towers, more apartment complexes, another construction uh, site, which looks like it's actually something more natural going on just across the... On the uh-huh. other side of that construction fence, you see some trees over there. But yeah. this feels completely different. We're on bricks here, and... Some of it's quite colorful because there's uh, brick art. There's, I guess this is probably paint or chalk uh, or a combination. There's some colorful stuff on the ground. It looks a little bit like Burning Man to me. You know, there's <laughs> the these, Burning Man vibe, yes. You know, it's these temporary-looking housing units, um, some of them with their doors, their doors flung open. Uh, and it looks like you could just kind of walk in and say, hey, what's up? You know, that kind of thing. Exactly, and that was something that was fought for. But it's... Per se, it's not like some kind of uh, politically oriented kind of thing. This is not some statement about capitalism. This is not Occupy Gongdok. Right. This is not a protest space, even though maybe the spirit of protest shaped it. It's about 
you know, putting on your own events, putting on your own uh, cultural to-dos that might not be necessarily with the official cultural program of Seoul or of Korea. Well, it's settled back into being a pretty path again. It's not. It's neither too urban, nor uh, any kind of uh, citizens encampment. It's just a nice walk in the park. One thing that's pretty interesting, right next to our path, is a set of hanoks, which uh, are not only remaining in place, but they're being refurbished as nice little sort of al fresco dining and uh, sipping areas. They are. We've mentioned the building types, the various building types along this path, but you get into this section when you pass the, uh, we just got past the Gongdok station and we're continuing on north. You get into this section and you see more surviving Hanok. And as in the episode we recorded in Iksondong, Iksondong, excuse me, uh, they're being, they're being made into cafes, they're being made into restaurants, and now with the weather as it is, they can be open, like the one we're looking at, to the elements, because the elements aren't that harsh right now, other than a few floating cherry blossom petals, some of the last of the season still hanging on. But Hanok have survived here, some with the blue roofs, some have, been, some have been converted into things that are completely non-Korean, but the structure has remained, and I'm no real estate expert but I suspect proximity to the park has made these a lot more valuable than once they were. I think that's a safe bet. And just in terms of Seoul as a city and a philosophy, it's always nice to see the city be integrative rather than destructive, you know, rather than saying, oh, Hanoks, let's sweep those into the history books where they belong and uh, build some shining new science fiction looking building. They leave them in place, they integrate. I would like to see Seoul's uh, urban planning be more and more like that. Right, the park has elevated the Hanok that were here mm. rather than necessitating their removal. Things have uh, quieted down. We're on a very traditional urban walkway now as part of this line walk. And this is what you were telling me uh, would, would be shaping up as the coffee mile. That's what I like to call it because there are so many coffee shops here, each of them sort of appealing in a slightly different aesthetic way. And, you know, we're here by Solgong University, the Catholic University. We know that because a nun just walked by wearing ah, the yes. full habit. True enough. And the student population is, of course, going to be big because of that. Students love coffee. More than that, they love places to study. So each of these, you know, you see a brick building, a brick coffee shop that goes up to two stories. You can sit in the windows. You see a slightly more modern looking one. We saw a more cartoon themed coffee shop and we're we're going to see 10, 20, 30 more as we continue walking. This stretch of the Gongison Supkil is, I mean, it's not officially coffee themed, but it might as well be. You will caffeinate if you are on this walk. <laughs> it's required. It is required, and you will caffeinate in your own particular idiom as you see fit. What a dreamy image, you know, to look up at some of these coffee shops. Some of them have plate glass windows that are opened outward, uh, almost like a bodega roof kind of slanting out to the street. And Students are just kind of sitting there with their textbook, their mobile phone, and their cup of coffee, looking out over the park. What 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 more could you ask for? It has a, each one has its own urban feel. That's sort of 20th century New York. Some of them are more 21st century Asia. They're each trying out. It's like a, it's like each coffee shop belongs in its own urban world, but they're all just lined up next to each other here along the park. Beautiful. Colin, what's uh, interesting about this 
this walkway is uh, all of these little artistic allusions to the fact that this is a railroad from yesteryear. As you mentioned, we're in front of a section of railroad that is untouched as if trains were going to arrive any minute. And we've seen sort of abstract treatments of railway stops where you could maybe sit in the old days. And there's a little golden statue of uh, a girl in an old-fashioned school outfit, uh, kind of playing uh, gymnastic balance on the uh, balance beam on the railroad track. It, it evokes memories. And it's not just her. She has a brother over there with his ear I down to the tracks, that. listening for a train. There's the colonial brother. colonial-era children might well have done exactly this. Of course. Back in the 1900s. It's a terrible idea. Uh, it's a, terrible, it's a idea. terrible idea to play near the railroad tracks, but of course it happened back in the day because they didn't have smartphones. And you walk by here, and the statues always attract people. There are some girls hanging out by them right now. Not bronze ones, real... Real, actual, actual girls. And she's walking like a balance beam as we speak on the... you know. So good ideas spread. Yes, you have these people... These non-real people that from the past which attract the real people of the present. Wasn't there a scene in Stand By Me where he fell and he could feel the rumble of the tracks and they had to run across the railroad bridge because he knew the train was coming? I just hope we don't find a body. <laughs> a little monument to Deng Deng Street which uh, according to the monument Ding Dong Ding Ding Kori is the origin of Hongdae culture. That's a big claim. It is a big claim, but that's the sound, Ding Ding, the train would make coming through this section of town. You'd hear the bell, uh, you'd know you were close to this street. And here on the top of this monument, this big block telling us a little of the history, we have a sculpture of a busker with a guitar and a sculpture of a lady reading. So you can see the types of culture they're talking about, whether it's uh, diving into a novel or playing your guitar. That's the kind of culture that has been present on Ding Ding Gori for quite some time now. Ding Ding Street, says the description, is still home to a number of decrepit storage spaces where the first Korean indie bands used to practice and workshops where hungry artists produce their work. Even today, run-down eateries where poor artists and students used to sit and drink, agonizing over their youth, remain along Ding Ding Street, reminding visitors of the good old days. The good old days when they were hungry and agonizing. This is the essence of urban culture, is it not? Did you agonize over your youth, Colin? I guess you're still young. Are you still agonizing? Well, I'm uh, getting to my mid-30s. I like to think I'll keep my agony, though. <laughs> so part of Deng Deng Street, Colin, is uh, Chekkori. Kyungi Son Chekkori. Yes, the Chekkori, the book street. It begins with a reconstruction of a station as the kind of art project we've seen all along this park. But as you look ahead, you'll see these little concrete structures, these low buildings that you can see right through, glass on either end. They're all bookstores. And each of these structures is a different... How to put it? It's a different type of bookstore. You might have one be an art bookstore, one be a humanities bookstore, one be a science bookstore, one be a literature bookstore. They're all in their own separate structures that are placed amid sculptures and sort of amphitheatrical type arrangements for cultural events. I've been to a few such events here. A zine festival happened a, a while ago. Are there still zines? <laughs> in Korea, they're just, they're getting more popular, I suspect. Wow. The and they actually culture. print them, or are they yes, digital? they're printed. You can, buy, you can buy them at the zine festival. That's quite amazing. And of course, the Book Street has also brought along with it many bars, restaurants, of course, coffee shops, all the establishments that go along with book culture in Korea. It occurs to me that uh, parts of this trail are a bit like Cheonggaecheon minus the Cheon. Yes, there is no Cheon here, no water running through, in this part anyway. A little later, they've introduced some streams toward the other end of the park. We're not there yet, but it is similar in the sense that you just see different forms of culture going on in each segment. As you walk down, things change. 
the foliage changes, the establishments alongside change, even what the people are doing that you see around changes. Are you much of a flaneur? I try to be, but we can't always we can't always flaneur as much as we want. I didn't learn the word flaneur until very late in life. Uh, I read a book by uh, Sam Miller about Delhi, and he, in the first few pages, he describes very nicely what a flaneur is. Basically, a flaneur is just a fancy word for walking aimlessly. Right. Pioneered the term, I think, by Baudelaire. So if you're into his poetry, uh, that's the source, I believe, of this concept. Look at you with the context. So flaneur is something you do uh, just to, the whole point of it is to randomly discover stuff and to just kind of putter. And I find that I don't do enough of that in uh, Seoul. Seoul is a very putterable city. It's putterable, but you need a system. You need to have a, not necessarily so rigorous, but you need a framework. You need to go in a certain direction, in a certain way, force yourself to find new corners of the city. Perhaps record a radio segment every month. I must say, my puttering quality has gone up since meeting you, Colin, quite significantly. I hope the listeners can say the same. Colin, we're winding it up here. We're in the last bit, uh, right near Hongdae Station and right near uh, a lot of the Hongdae sort of hotspots. Are we in, officially, Yeonamdong now? We are. This is the famous and very popular Yeonamdong. So you emerge from Hongdae Station, exit 3, and you see the park continues. And already, this is early in the evening, but it's starting, the crowds are thickening up. Very young, on average, you'll notice. Yeah, yeah. As the sun sets, buskers come out. Uh, couples and work groups with picnic blankets and food, especially chicken. It almost has the feeling of a very narrow quad on a university. It does. You know what they call this? They have a nickname. Yontural Park. Yontural Park. That's how successful it's been. (laughs) This is the most successful in terms of popularity part of the entire Gyeonggison Tsukgil. It goes until Gajwa Station, which is on the um, the Gyeonggijungang line, Uh which replaced the original Gyeonggijungang line, of course. But it's it continues like this some, there are some streams there are places you can easily put down a picnic blanket it's become a real gathering place and the engine that has driven the popularization of Yeonandong itself as i understand it 3 years ago this place was nothing out of the ordinary yeah. now you look around it's every type of hot business from a cat cafe to more coffee shops there's a french restaurant down the street uh, that replaced another french restaurant reggae there's a reggae themed uh, eatery over there there's so much and it's all so recent this is a small business a dream in a way because you've got this very narrow piece of attractive real estate where young affluent educated Koreans and international people come to stroll and just chill and relax and then bracketed on either side there's every kind of uh, money spending uh, attraction you could want everything from like bokki places to Vietnamese food to all of the other things that you mentioned so uh, it's almost like a God, uh, sort of a Lang Kwai Fong of, uh, of, of Seoul. It is, and it's almost been too successful. I've seen on the TV news reports about there being too much trash because there are so many people who want to come here and picnic, eat, drink, what have you. And there's been reports of, um, as well, prices going way up in the adjoining pieces of real estate. But that's what happens when you have a place that's even more popular than you expected, in no small part due to a, um, a park development like this one. These are the wages of it, I suspect. Would you recommend the 
Kyonggi Forest Line to say an international visitor that's on a short time budget and wants to get a real sense of Seoul, would you say this is a must see or would you not? I would say do what we just did because you'll see a cross section of much of the city, north of the river, which is my favorite side of the river anyway. We started this whole thing on an ecological Earth Day related kind of mood. Uh, let's get back to that angle a little bit. I mean, what Earth Day related kind of lessons might we draw from the Kyonggi Forest Line? If you come here to picnic, just don't litter. Throw away your garbage, which maybe the city of Seoul could install more garbage cans. Yeah. That could be okay. Well, and the other thing is that this used to be a really slow Mugunghwa kind of train from Hyocheong Park to Manchuria. No exaggeration. And, uh, Modes of transportation evolve and change and go away. That is also going to happen with our car-dominated, you know, combustion engine economy. And so just as we have the lessons from yesterday of how to take the railroad space and make it into a livable urban space, one day all of these concrete slabs that look like airport runways running through a city where cars used to run are going to, in my opinion, going to be changed into something else. I mean, you see some of the cars trying to drive down the roads next to this part of the park that's already getting thronged with people, you just wonder, what are you doing? Why are you even trying to drive here? This is not what this is for. They, they look like a, a real... They look like a piece of the past slowly trying to negotiate its way into the future. I do think there is a... Some future, I can't quite put my finger on it, some future beyond the family car. Whatever's next, I'm looking forward to seeing it. I think so too. And I think Seoul is... I say this over and over, I sound like a commercial for Seoul, but I really think that out of the cities of the world, Seoul is one of the most forward-looking, one of the most willing to change, uh, and one of the most willing to just reinvent itself on a continuous basis. As we see with a park like this one. Thanks again to Colin Marshall, our resident urbanist. He's easy to find online, and he has a prolific body of work. Just another reminder that there will be that 10 a.m. event uh, for the 419 commemoration at the National Cemetery. I mentioned before uh, about President Moon Jae-in. He was apparently there a bit earlier this morning to pay tribute for victims. I didn't mean to convey in any way that he was uh, not attending. That'll bring today's edition of Koreascape to a close.